0: You're listening to The Tarot Diagnosis. We're your hosts. I'm Luna. And I'm Shannon. We're both clinical
1: psychotherapists who trained together at Johns Hopkins.
0: Now we are both in private practice in Tampa, Florida, and in Baltimore, Maryland. We also both happen to have a love for tarot. Each episode, we work to demystify the tarot and explore its connections to mental and emotional health.
1: While this podcast may feel therapeutic, it is not
0: meant to take the place of psychotherapy. Join us while we pull cards to better understand ourselves and those around us. Hey, Luna. Hey, Shannon. How you doing?
1: I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So we get to talk about anxiety today.
0: Oh, boy. It's one of our favorites. I feel like we're going to talk about anxiety a lot because I think that this is, I mean, how many people come in with like, I'm having anxiety. It's like a really um, common issue. And so I'm sure we're going to get a lot of questions and a lot of interest in talking about how to manage anxiety or where it comes from.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can't think of the amount of times I hear the word anxiety just Mm -hmm. throughout the day. I mean, probably at least a hundred times. It feels like
0: it's one of these words that has Uh, Taken on a life of its own, that um, somehow this really actually pretty normal human condition of having anxiety, which we all have, has made it into this realm of now it's a mental health condition. Mm -hmm. And I think that this is one of these things where we have to think of it um, in terms of both and. um, It both is something that is a normal part of life and also sometimes it's out of control and really people need guidance or even medication for it, depending on the circumstance. So um, whenever we talk about anxiety, I think that understanding the framework for where the anxiety might be coming from is an important first step.
1: Definitely. And when anxiety isn't to the level where you need interventions such as medication or really intense psychotherapy, I have found that just psychoeducation about the fact that anxiety is just part of the human condition sometimes yes. is really empowering because I think there's there's already so much stigma about mental health and mental illness that I find that when people come into my office and they, they say that they're experiencing anxiety, there's this sense of shame attached to it. Like, I'm not supposed to have this. Help me get rid of it immediately. Mm-hmm. And when, you know, I start providing psychoeducation and we start working on just feeling empowered and, and, you know, of course, working on coping skills and how to manage the anxiety. um, There's just a a sense of comfort that I see people experience like, oh, okay, here's this thing that I'm going to have to deal with. And I'm going to experience it every once in a while, but I know how to keep it relatively under control. And once it's kind of normalized, there's not as much guilt or shame or stigma attached to it
0: so interesting how you said that, because I think you and I are completely on the same page, but we would have said it completely differently, which I love it really? when that the Well, yeah. Um, I think that the other part of that, and I'm going to get a little bit soapboxy here, is that I think that mm-hmm. something has happened where we have turned mental and thinking issues and emotional issues into a health issue. So I don't mm. know about you, but I frequently get Emails from people who want to work with me, and they begin with, I've been diagnosed with anxiety and depression, Mm -hmm. which to me is no information at all. Right. You know? (laughs) Oh,
1: you're a human being. Fantastic. Me too.
0: (laughs) I think a lot of people don't realize that if you have ever walked into a therapist's office and you have used your health insurance, Mm -hmm. the therapist has to contact your health insurance and diagnose you with something. And right. given that everybody to a degree has anxiety and depression to a degree, then those are diagnoses that show up a lot. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily mean, and I have seen people do this and I'm like, please take this gently. I have seen people kind of cling to it. Oh, I have oh, anxiety. Sure. I, this is beyond my control. It's like having kidney disease. You know, it's like mm-hmm. this thing happened to me. Rather than this thing that I have some control over.
1: Right. Yeah, there's, a, I see that a lot. Um, and I think it's a coping skill. Sure. A, a, certainly a maladaptive coping skill. Sure. Because change is incredibly difficult and it's, a lot easier for us to say, oh, well, I have this thing. Right. Instead of, well, oh, shit, I have to work on this thing. <laughs> it can be really overwhelming. Sometimes it's easier to just be like, yep, I've got this thing. Right. <laughs> this sucks. Right. It's terrible. And right. what's really
0: fun is when somebody says, I have this thing, it sucks. You know, everybody around me now has to adjust to this thing I have.
1: Oh, yeah, exactly. No fair. Right.
0: Yeah except for when it is. I mean like that's the thing like I think that like part of good mental health is recognizing thing that we do need to be flexible in our thinking.
1: That makes me think of the the difference between anxiety and panic and you mm. know generalized anxiety, anxiety attacks, panic attacks because I think a lot of people don't understand the difference yes. because they are very similar except for a few, you know, slight differences that if you didn't know the differences you know, you could just continually say I have anxiety, um, mm-hmm. when really you are experiencing, you know, panic. Um, yes. so I think there needs to be more education on the yes. difference between the two. Um, cause I know a lot of my clients, you probably see this when they come in, you know, like you said, they'll say, Oh, I've been diagnosed with anxiety. And you're like, cool. That tells me nothing. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I think that's very true because some people
0: overplay what's going on in their mind and some people underplay it. I've seen cases where
1: people have literally said, "Well, this brings me comfort because I'm, mm. you know, I'm familiar with yes. it." So whether it's anxiety or whether it's panic, even though it's causing them a sense of discomfort, yes. they it's they would rather keep it because they're familiar with it and they know how to function with it because, you know, they've had it for so long. Yes. Um And change becomes too overwhelming and too scary, Um, Mm -hmm. which actually, oh, go ahead. What were you going to say? I mean, just like, yeah, I've seen this too. I've had
0: this conversation recently, like very recently I've had a conversation like that. It becomes a sense of identity.
1: Yes. And that's, in fact, some of the cases I'm thinking of, that's where we went was Mm -hmm. how this has become a part of you. This is how you introduce yourself. This is how you interact with people. This is how people have learned to interact and respond to you now. So if you work on managing your anxiety or your panic, then what? How do you so, interact oh with people? God, how do right? you introduce yourself? Like, How do you experience the world around you? It's almost terrifying to them because they think, well, now I have to learn how to, to, to exist all over again. Yes. And you know, like so interesting because particularly in terms of personal
0: relationships, if this is part of my identity, if this is how I am, then this is also how I receive love. A lot oh, of people yeah. who, I mean, and it's not everyone, but some people end up using this as like, well, I'm having a lot of anxiety. It's a way of asking for comfort. Whereas there's another way of doing it. You could also just be like, ooh, I could really use a hug. It doesn't need to be wrapped in because i have anxiety like we say oh, it like yeah. I, even the language there is so funny right like i have anxiety it's i, I always kind of <laughs> feel like it's like that little guy in lord of the rings like my precious <laughs> like i have my precious anxiety right. yeah
1: versus i'm experiencing anxious right. thoughts right now or right. i'm experiencing <laughs> nervousness or discomfort and you know you just what you just said made me realize You know, when people say things like, oh, I'm having anxiety, but really they're asking for, you know, and of course they probably are experiencing anxiety, but it's also a way Mm -hmm. to ask for for comfort instead of feeling like they are able to just say, oh, you know what, today's a rough day. Can you be gentle, more gentle with me today? Or can you come cuddle with me? Or, you know, can you distract me today? It's almost like they need to have an excuse or they need to have some sort of issue that's going on when really we all are deserving of wonderful things from our partners, our family members, our friends, and we're allowed to ask for those things whether anxiety is present or not. Oh my God, right? I think Mm -hmm. that
0: that's a block for a lot of people that... If, if you get stuck in this, and again, I do want to be gentle and say, like, we're not being dismissive of anxiety disorders at right. all. We're talking about the way it shows up for some people. Um, and I, I do want to put, like, the little, like, asterisk on that mm-hmm. of I have plenty of clients who I have sent and said please go and seek out medication. I have plenty of clients who I'm like don't you dare ever go off of those meds. <laughs> right. You know, and and people who really even with meds do have a chemical imbalance that mm-hmm. really has a huge impact in their life. Yes and. Yes mm-hmm. and one of the ways that this shows up for people is if it becomes an identity issue and it becomes a way of seeking intimacy, it blocks you from reaching your higher self, because if the only way you know how to seek love is through saying, or one of the ways you know how to seek love is by saying, I'm anxious because that's who I am. It stops you from seeking out a deeper understanding of your true self and why you are deserving of being loved. I think that this idea of you are enough is a beautiful idea. You know, We see it on Instagram all the time, but some people I think in their heads, they think, yeah, but why? And that's a personal journey. You have to figure out why for yourself so that you truly do feel deserving of love.
1: That was so perfect and on point. And I just want to highlight the fact again that we do not need any sort of excuse or reason or illness to ask for what we need Mm -hmm. and it is okay to have wants and needs and ask for them even when you're experiencing anxiety and when you're not um so (laughs) thank you for saying that that was
0: and let me add on there that like yes we can ask for them and if we don't receive them we can still be okay
1: Right. And we can give them to ourselves or we can seek someone else out who has the capacity to give us what we need in that moment. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, I'm so glad that we talked about anxiety. Right. (laughs) And you know, it brings me to, we had um, a follower reach out actually and say that she's been experiencing a lot of anxiety and she wants to know where it came from. She was told that perhaps she has, you know, a memory that she needs to release from her past. And, you know, I think when we got that question, um, we were both like, oh wow, let's dive into anxiety Mm -hmm. and tarot and see everything that we can come up with and everything we can explore.
0: Yeah. I, I loved this question because it does feel like it really branches between the two, the two worlds. Um, Just to offer a little background, this is a woman who's in her early 30s. She is a mental health professional, which is, I think, one of the parts that's intriguing about the question. Um, And I think it's important to notice that she does have two small children and she does run her own practice. So I just kind of want to notice, talk about anxiety, um, that like just her circumstance of it's hard to be a mental health professional. And it's hard to be a mother of small children, and it's hard to run your own business. And if we apply um, some of the like feminist theory to this, you have to be aware of what your circumstances are and in what ways life really is creating difficult situations for you, which would naturally create anxiety. Nevertheless, she's also a mental health professional who is asking, like, but what is this? Which is interesting.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I think it's important to acknowledge the fact that even as mental health professionals, we're not immune to the human condition or the, or the human experience. And you bringing up the feminist theory makes me think too, is I'm wondering if she's going back to what I said earlier, is she experiencing shame or guilt around experiencing anxiety? Sure. You know, women in society, are socialized to believe that they have to be able to do everything without experiencing any sort of levels of stress or discomfort. They have to be the mom. They have to be the wife, the friend, the, right. the lover, the, the, the co-worker, the employee, the employer, mm-hmm. um, educator, the list goes on and on. Um, so I'm wondering, you know, is she stepping back and saying, oh, wow, you know what? I do wear a ton of hats. No wonder why I'm experiencing anxiety because I'm stretched so, so thin. Um, and this is just an interpretation based on the little bit of information we have, Absolutely. but I think it's important to note, especially when it comes to anxiety, we should be looking at our life and saying, well, hold on, wait, am I, am I balanced right now? Or am I experiencing a sense of imbalance? Um, Mm -hmm. but I think for her, her anxiety goes back a little bit. So it's not something that's been, been recent. Right. Exactly. I think that's
0: important to notice sort of the first part of what is the environment, but yeah, then again, this is why this question is so interesting. She does go back and she says, um, that she thinks that it's possible that this is a learned response, that it's possible that um, her relationship with anxiety it was something that was taught to her. And she does mention her mother, which is really interesting based on what you just said, that um, what are her ideas about uh, motherhood, what are her ideas about femininity, and how does that line up with her present day and the stressors on it? So that's interesting. Also, I wonder how her mom acted. That's interesting. Um, she also did give us a little bit more information graciously. She says that she's started having this at around age 14. So this is a long lasting issue. It isn't just what her current circumstances are, but those things all paint a pretty interesting picture for a woman who has learned about anxiety clearly. And I will also back up like, just because we're mental health professionals doesn't mean that we're immune. It also doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that we know everything. Definitely not. Right. Yeah. Um, but I think that she's probably
1: tried a lot of stuff. To piggyback off what you're saying as therapists, we tend to look at a person's, you know, development as it's been impacted by their childhood, um, and past events and, and different relationships they've had and mm-hmm. different experiences they've had in, and, and all, those all influence the way that we interact with the world and the way we interact with ourselves and our emotions. Um, you know, and that kind of, leads into so why tarot? Yeah, especially in terms of anxiety. And I think the way people when you're experienced with tarot or you're using tarot in the the facet that we're using it in, the way you look at tarot is similar to the way therapists or the way that they conceptualize different cases. Mm. Um and you know and when you're interpreting tarot cards, the interpretation is heavily influenced by our past experiences and the lens through which we view the world around us. Um, And tarot is similar to psychoanalysis, for example, because it seeks to bridge the gap between the unconscious and the conscious. And I think for this follower, it's interesting because she, there's some level of consciousness in terms of where her anxiety is coming from. She's, she's thinking it's a learned experience, but she's also being told that she might have a memory she needs to release. Um, so when we're, when we're speaking from like a logical standpoint, like she is in terms of, wait, is this something I've learned? Um, you know, she's expressing, you know, the known, and the conscious, but f- through using tarot, we're using signs and symbols and that helps us tap into certain unconscious thoughts and experiences that we may have. And I think, in terms of the situation she's experiencing, tarot could actually be really helpful. Um, Because, you know, by pulling cards or creating different spreads, she's going to be able to tap into different memories and experiences based on whatever the images are bringing up for her that either might answer if there is some sort of memory that she needs to release, or it might just bring certain thought processes to the conscious and be able to say, oh, wow, okay, this is why I'm panicking or this is why I'm getting really, really anxious during this specific time in my life. And this is what I need to do in order to manage it better.
0: I love the way you just talked about that too, because I think, um, I think one thing that you and I were chatting about a little bit before is how much people are really drawn into, but also terrified of the idea of a repressed memory Mm -hmm. or the idea of, like my unconscious does this thing. (laughs) Like I, you know, it's doing this and I'm not aware of it. And it compels me towards harming myself or others. And I have no idea. And like people find it terrifying and also completely enticing. And I think that what we do as we do more and more psychotherapy, but also as we do more and more tarot is we discover that it's not like that. It's not like you've got some sort of like, deep dark hidden thing that is unknown to you it's mm-hmm. more of it's um it's a river that's flowing in your head that you just kind of turn away from but it's not scary you can just turn towards it and be curious about it and it can teach you
1: right and i think curiosity is a really important point mm-hmm. here because curiosity helps disarm The fear that we have about these thoughts. When you're curious about them, you're more likely to interact with them even cautiously um, versus when you're afraid of them, you're just going to avoid. And when we avoid, nothing changes. In fact, things could could get worse. But when you're you're curious and you're like, ooh, what could this be? Or why am I feeling this way? Or what do I need right now? That's when we're able to tap into things that can help us grow and can help uh, facilitate a healthier relationship with ourselves or emotions emotions and the people around us. I love the way you just said that. I love the word disarm. I think that that's Mm -hmm. exactly right. And it does
0: go back to what we were saying previously, that this idea of like, if you hide behind anxiety or if you wear it as a security blanket, because you think that there's nothing more to you to love, sometimes that can be coupled with this idea. I've been shocked with how many people I have said to this idea of, well, maybe you just kind of worry that you're fundamentally unlovable. I'm stunned (sighs) by how how often when I say that people say, yes, it's almost a hundred percent.
1: You know, and that's an interesting concept because that makes me go back to something, the the follower mentioned, you know, with her anxiety being a learned behavior and that, you know. I, I don't want to get too much off topic, but yeah, the, when we feel fundamentally unlovable, that's learned. Yes. Where are you learning this? Where are you learning, you know, that, you know, when you're in a certain environment, you need to be like on high alert and your heart mm-hmm. starts racing and you, you know, you f- might feel like you're trapped, which, you know, is a sense of anxiety. And where is this like unlovable feeling coming from or where was it learned And that you can't just look to someone and say, Oh, I need, I need some extra care and attention today. Um, Mm -hmm. why does it have to be a big event? Why does it have to be, um, Oh, I'm, I'm freaking out, please, you know, come, come save me. Right.
0: Well, and I think of the other part is that, that then tarot allows us to explore those parts that we're scared of that like fundamentally unlovable or the internal monster that people are worried about. Well, let's, use these cards as a way to tap into the, the quieter parts of us or the more unconscious parts of us that exist in all of us so that we have a more of a curiosity and a greater understanding, which would probably help us feel a little bit more lovable.
1: Definitely. And, you know, that brings me to when I was thinking about this question in this situation from, from this follower so much came up for me in terms of how would I introduce tarot, or how would I utilize tarot? You know, if I if this person was a client and I was having a session with her, and one of the first things that came up is I would probably be a little bit less structured um, and just spread all the cards out, have her pick one at, at random, and then say, "What comes up for you?" Of course, you know, we, we would be having a discussion about anxiety. So anxiety would still be, you know, on the, the conscious level. Um, and then I would say, okay, how does this relate to your anxiety? That question right there is going to, to mm-hmm. trigger mm-hmm. certain memories, experiences, or even other emotions that are linked to her anxious feelings to help provide some of the answers she's looking for. I love that. I think it's such a good idea to think about doing it that way. Another question that I would ask too, in terms of maybe that same card that she picked up is what memories do you think of when you see this card, mm-hmm. which plays into the, the, the point that she made about being worried that maybe she has some sort of repressed memory, um, that she hasn't been able to access that could be creating her anxiety. So if there, if there is some sort of repressed memory there, the tarot could be, um, you know, a facilitator for accessing that, um, you know, and then of course, if a memory does come up after pulling a card and interpreting it and and analyzing it, of course, that could be several different sessions of just exploring that repressed memory.
0: Certainly. And it's a big if. I think that like that would be neato benito if I mean, and painful if a memory came up. But I also think that like, understanding that it's okay to not know some things.
1: Interesting. Say more
0: about that. Um, I have to think about it for a second. I think sometimes I've seen, and I think sometimes I've seen in practice, but also just in life, that people do have this fundamental curiosity of what if there's something I don't remember? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I actually, I have a, a hypnotherapist who's local to me, who I refer people to, um, and I will do that. Like, if somebody's like, "What is it?" I'm like, "Well, why do you go and see the <laughs> therapist and see what comes up?" Right. And um, interestingly, like, I, I I know her work, and I know that she's like, "I'm not going to go digging around, to yank something <laughs> out that's gonna like going to be shocking." If you've put it on a in a box on a shelf far far away, I'm not going to pull it out because like there's a reason why it's in a box on a shelf. And also, like maybe it's not. Maybe it's just an uncomfortable feeling. We all have our demons. Um, and maybe we there is a level of just acceptance that mm-hmm. if you've repressed a memory or if you haven't repressed a memory, it is what it is and this is the life that you're in. So what are you gonna do about the life that you're in?
1: Definitely, that reminds me too of a concept that I tend to work on a lot with clients, especially in terms of anxiety is being okay with ambiguity. Mm-hmm. You know, with anxiety, there's this sense of urgency and this sense of needing to predict the future, mm-hmm. needing to know what's going to happen, when it's going to happen, or all possible scenarios. Um, so practicing just being okay with ambiguity and, you know, in terms of if there is a repressed memory, um, being okay with understanding that you, you might never access it like you said, if there even is one there and moving forward with that knowledge and and moving forward with, um, being okay with that. Um, I had a a therapist recent, uh, within the past couple of years, and we, we were actually having a discussion about this concept and she made a really good point. And she, you know, she's actually, she specializes in trauma. She does a lot of really, uh, good, deep trauma work. And even she said, you know, if you, if, you've experienced something in your past that's leading to, to panic or anxiety. Um, you know, the, that maybe it was something bad that happened to you. Um, you're safe now, you're okay now. So sometimes unlocking that memory or being able to pull it to the surface and re-experience it is even more dangerous. Yeah. So learning to cope with, manage, you know, the anxiety that you're experiencing now is sometimes the best solution. Yes. Yes. We don't, (laughs) I I mean,
0: I think that one of the main things that I try to work on with clients is the idea of learning to trust yourself. And -hmm. you know, like if you have distorted thinking, then it means you have to clean up your distorted thinking before you can trust yourself. But ultimately I, I want people to trust themselves. And if part of trusting yourself is knowing that if your brain maybe took a memory or maybe didn't, but maybe took a memory and tucked it away, let's just have faith that that was a good
1: choice. Right. Your brain is trying to protect you. Yeah. Let it protect you sometimes. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) It's doing its job. (laughs) It's doing its job. Like, let's not
0: mess with that. Yeah, exactly. You know, Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you... (laughs) Uh, I I, like, I'm loving this conversation, but I'm also really eager to pull
1: cards on this. Yeah, definitely. What type of spread are you going to use for this question?
0: Um, I think I'm going to do a two card spread. Um, and the first card is just going to be the root and I'm going to leave it vague like that. Like what's the root of this? And then the second card is actually like a page from your book. Um, what story would be better for me to tell about this?
1: Oh, that's beautiful. I love that.
0: How about you? What are you going to do?
1: I'm going to do something a little different today. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to pull two cards, but I'm going to, I'm going to take a gestalt approach. Mm -hmm. And I think one card I'm going to pull is going to represent anxiety and the other card is going to represent this person's like present self or the advice um, that they need. And I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to, after I pull the cards and interpret them, I think I'm going to have the cards speak to each other as if this were an empty chair technique. I love that. (laughs) Do you want to describe empty chair technique real quick? Yeah. So empty chair technique is basically, when you're in the therapy room, you'd be sitting on, on the couch or in a chair, and there would be an empty seat next to you or in front of you, and you would be playing the role of either an emotion or a person um, and talking to this empty chair in each role. So, for, ex- for example, if you were doing the empty chair technique based on your anxiety. Um, Perhaps you were sitting there as yourself, as you experience anxiety, and you'd be having a conversation with the empty chair, which represents your anxiety. You might say things like, you get in the way of my life. Um, I want you to go away. I don't need you. Why are you here? What's your purpose? Mm -hmm. And then you would switch places. So you would move over to the other chair and you would pretend that you were the anxiety talking back to you. And so maybe the anxiety was saying things like, well, I'm trying to protect you. Um, you have to think of all the bad things that could happen because if you're not thinking all the bad things that could happen, you know, something bad could happen to you. (laughs) Um, and the whole purpose of the empty chair technique is to kind of like tarot too, is to help you have a better understanding of your emotions. And I find that it's an empowering tool and technique to use um especially when when clients are having a difficult time finding their voice um or having a difficult time acknowledging different sides of themselves yeah
0: i think a beautiful one to describe just because if somebody's listening at home you it's one that you can do at home Mm -hmm. you can sort of empty chair like your your mom,
1: you know, and, right? And, and it just
0: it can be helpful. You can learn stuff there. So, but I love doing it for tarot. It's like such a beautiful blend.
1: Yeah, so we'll see what happens. Sounds um, good. I'm using my Mystic Mondays deck today. What are you using? I am using.
0: I've forgotten. Tell me what I told you. I was going to. Uh, Rider weight. Rider weight is what I'm. Right. <laughs> That is so me that I'm like, I don't remember the words.
1: Yeah. Yeah, So you're using the very traditional.
0: Yeah. The very, very traditional Rider weight. And I've, my deck is small. I like this deck because like they're almost the size of playing cards, which just makes it so easy to shuffle.
1: I was just going to say that my mystic Mondays are like very large. (laughs) It's kind of difficult to shuffle. Yeah. It matters. Okay. We're going to get quiet for a second. Yes. So, what did you pull? I pulled the 5 of swords reversed and the 8 of pentacles. Interesting. So, right. And the 5 of swords reversed represents anxiety and the 8 of pentacles represents the the follower, their their current present life situation. Um and oh, man, these two cards. That's pretty intense I, actually, yeah. It's it's very intense. I I feel like I couldn't have picked a more accurate card to represent anxiety in this case, and um, and really, honestly, to depict the the follower as well. So I'll start just briefly with the follower. So um, they the eight of Pentacles represents them, and broadly, the the eight of Pentacles basically is uh, indicating that um, you're you're working really hard to create the life that you want. Mm-hmm. And you're you're on this path to continuously improve yourself, your situation. You're very committed to um, making changes and living a life of satisfaction, um, mm-hmm. and making sure that you're you're focused on yourself and, and creating the best life possible. Whereas the five of swords reversed is all about conflict in your life, conflict that you have tried to walk away from or avoid that keeps coming back, which for this person with their anxiety um, is so on point. Um, This card also suggests that there could be someone in your life that are that's making things difficult for you and preventing you from moving forward. Um, And it could be impacting your relationship with yourselves or others. So in terms of the the follower's question, it brings me to wonder, did she learn she's not good enough? So anytime she's working hard or has a need to be met uh, or has a need that needs to be met, she becomes like washed with anxious thoughts due to possible learned self self low self-worth. Mm-hmm. Um, the Five of Swords Reverse also sheds a light on times when you've tried to speak up for yourself, only to realize that the person you're trying to speak to isn't listening. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's a big deal because I'm wondering is her anxiety coming up when she's trying to speak up for herself or when she's got something important to say, but she hasn't been, or she's never received positive reinforcement or experienced, a positive interaction in the past where she's tried to speak up for herself. So now when she's about to do it or thinking about doing it, she's overcome with anxiety. Um, something that's important to note about the five of swords reversed too, is that even though it's representative of, of high conflict and tension and disagreement it also indicates that you're tired yes, and you want this exhausting. period. Yeah. And you want this period to be over so that you can you can forgive and move on. Um, and, and focus your time and your energy on restoring balance to your life and your relationships. Um Another important thing to note about the five of swords reversed is that it, it could also mean that there's an old wound that's been reopened. um, and that you are experiencing all of that fear and tension and worry associated with that memory all over again. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting that this card was pulled because she's been told, Hey, maybe there's a memory that you need to release. Um, so I might say, you know, when you look at this card, what memories come up for you? What thoughts come up for you? Um, something else that this card represents too is, is a, and this is very indicative of anxiety, but fear that history might repeat itself and that you Mm -hmm. can be heard again. Mm -hmm. And if that doesn't represent anxiety, I'm not sure what does. Um, so the point of me pulling these two cards was to show an example of the empty chair technique using both cards. Um, So the five of swords reverse representing anxiety and the eight of pentacles representing the, the follower who submitted the the question. So the eight of pentacles might look at the anxiety card and say, I'm working so hard to continuously improve our situation. And the five of swords reverse might say, well, yeah, but we still have a lot of tension and conflict. And then the eight of pentacles might say, well, I'm feeling really unhappy that, Things are still continuing this way. And the five of swords might say, well, you need to forgive and move on. And the eight of pentacles might say, well, how can I do that? And then the five of swords reversed may say, you are worried the past is going to repeat itself. What don't you want to happen again? Mm. And then that question, I think, is where the person who's, you know, maybe pulled these two cards, the follower can say, yeah, why don't I want that to happen again? What am I afraid of happening? Um, and I think that's the the million dollar question here. And I think that's where she can kind of take this information and this question in these cards um, and kind of sort things out regarding her anxiety. So like, what a wonderful poll you did. It's great. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I've, yeah. I loved it.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. Um, the things that came up for me when I saw, when, you know, like, as you're talking and a couple notes that I jotted down the five of swords reversed is one that I, you know, how like we all have sort of a connection to certain cards and we're like, Mm -hmm. Oh, to (laughs) me, this one means this. And I know that it means other things, but for me, when it shows up in my personal life, I know it means this, that five of swords reversed in my life. And I think probably for others is really about, um, having somebody difficult in your life who you cannot fix it. Like, there's just no, like, no matter what you say, the person is going to argue with you. right? And one thing that I see that I've done in my own life, I'll admit, but I also see in my practice a lot is people wanting to come in and sort of talk about it. Mm -hmm. And they get really hung up on that. Like, yeah, but why, like, what could I say? Or why are they like, and the answer is because that's how they are. (laughs) <laughs> and I right, yeah. like just just give it up, girl. Like, yes. you're not going to, like, just give <laughs> it up. Detach with
1: love. <laughs> right. Just like,
0: that's it. Because like, yeah. we could talk about, we could do session after session after session about this, but I'm going to keep telling you the same thing. Right. Uh, but it's really funny how addictive that can be. And if you put that next to this Eight of Pentacles, which is a great card, but is kind of about like mundane diligence, hard Mm -hmm. work, prudence, the grind, Mm -hmm. you know, like there's a lot to be said for the grind. The grind can Mm -hmm. give you great things, but it is like being in Groundhog's Day. right? And I kind of wonder if maybe there's a little bit of a like mundane versus drama.
1: Oh, wow. What a great interpretation of the two of those. I hadn't thought of that, but um, yeah, (laughs) I'm I'm super curious now. Right. Well, and we don't get to know.
0: It's just Right. I think what's interesting about this is to look at the different ways of thinking
1: about it. For sure. Yeah, I love that you pointed that out. I I hadn't made that connection at all and it's it's definitely an important connection to make, especially now you you mentioned groundhog day, there is this sense of, you know, sameness. Yes. Um and we can feel really on edge and uneasy when there's nothing to look forward to, or, um, we feel like it's going to be, you know, the same thing for who knows how long, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. yeah, that sense of urgency for, uh, for, for newness, um, can lead to, to anxious feelings. Thanks for bringing that up. Good. What did you pull? Yeah. What did you pull?
0: So, um, I pulled the four of pentacles as the root of the anxiety. Like, what is it all about? Mm -hmm. and for the what story should I be telling myself instead I pulled the devil which (laughs) is a funny card to pull there um so to me um I guess I will also acknowledge that like I am stunned because I have pulled these cards for myself really recently Mm -hmm. so um I was like oh look at that huh (laughs) <laughs> the, this is a theme perhaps universally right now okay so for the root it's um i'm using a really traditional deck so the images of this guy sitting in a chair and he has four four coins and he's got a foot on two, one coin two coins and he's holding on one and there's another one on top of his head which is all about like hey look what i got look what i got look what i got but i can't stand up and i can't walk away because if i do everything that I own is going to, I I might lose it or I won't be able to protect it anymore. So it's kind of this duality around getting to show off or sort of say, look what I have, while at the same time being really fearful of losing it, which I think is a, a really common thing with anxiety. Like we are scared to let ourselves be happy with what we've gained because we worry, like if I don't worry about it and if I don't fiercely protect it, it's going to crumble.
1: Oh my gosh, yeah.
0: And uh, this card is usually associated with money, but I think it's really important to point out that pentacles is about all sort of material things or earthly things. So this yeah, could be possessions. About, right. But I mean like it could also be the possession of like your family or right. you know like a loved one or a romance or even an idea, but it's like this is m- like my things in my human life. Um so my thought is is that this person is struggling with a worry which would make sense, actually. She's got her own practice. She's got some small kids. You know, no doubt there's some anxiety about her marriage, her kids, her work, and also about her family of origin. Because now that I'm the mommy, you know, like Mm -hmm. now what does that have to do with my relationship with my original family? So there's a lot of like gathering, like these are all my things. Oh my God, cling on tight to them. Don't let them go. And I wonder if that's a family history too. I wonder if that's also what she saw, like perhaps she couldn't see her own mother enjoying life, but rather was
1: always worried about losing something. Oh, wow. Yeah. What, oh my gosh, what an incredible read and interpretation on, on that specific card. It's a great, so great true. card about anxiety, right? It really is. And I think too, you know, the four of pentacles can also represent the concept of control whether Mm -hmm. you're seeking it or feeling out of control and like inflexibility, um, which are all concepts of, you know, anxiety, whether it's the possessions that you're talking about or just your internal like emotions.
0: Right. You know, and I kind of love the idea of linking that sort of four of pentacles to your eight of pentacles. Mm -hmm. because like it sort of is the progression like the four of pentacles is like i'm going to cling on to this whereas if you progress the eight of pentacles is more of a um yeah perhaps it's a little bit boring or perhaps it's a little like i have to keep working over and over and over again but through that i'm gaining mastery and i'm gaining wisdom that i mean that's the true wealth isn't it
1: which is a sense of security and control yes
0: yes exactly so interesting. So then for my second card, for the, what story should I be telling about this? I got the devil, which is so weird. <laughs> um, I, I really actually am coming to just love this card so right? much. It's,
1: it's honestly, I, I like the devil
0: card. I do too. Because it just, it, it feels like, like the universe kind of saying to me like, hey, watch your thinking, watch <laughs> your thinking. It's just this watch your thinking. I never really noticed this before, um, but In the traditional card, there's um, a devil or a horned goat guy who is over two people. And the two people have chains around their necks. But if you look closely, the chains are actually rather loose. They could. Oh, I never noticed that before. You're right. It's very similar to sort of eight of swords. Like they could just grab those chains and lift (laughs) them over their heads. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a wonderful reminder that this is we always can change our thinking. We always have control over what's going on in our mind. And I think that maybe that's the story that's helpful for this, this follower to hear that you can, this anxiety that you feel has a grip on you, perhaps you have greater control over it than
1: you realize. Right. You know, you may not have been able to control what happened to you in the past, but you do have control over how often and, and in what ways you interact with the memories and the emotions around what's happened in the past. Yes. Yes. What an awesome spread.
0: Those were some good cards. I really thought we were going to pull a moon because of all of our talk about, like, <laughs> the unconscious. I was like, there's going to be a moon in here somewhere. But, right?
1: How cool would that have been? <laughs> right. Or stars, you know? Like, right? Yeah. But Nope. nope. But it's not It's not what, what needed to be pulled, apparently. It was... This was some heavy stuff today, though. It really was. It really was. And,
0: you know, again, I want to just throw in the, like, let's be gentle. This is our interpretation of these cards from a person that we've never met right. and who you know, like, I don't know her story and it's possible that, that there's more going on to the anxiety that, I mean, like we can't quite tell.
1: Yeah. And also definitely recommend if she's not already to seek, you know, mental health counseling and even medication management, if it's to that point and it's necessary, Mm -hmm. um, you know, using tarot as a tool to unlock you know, unconscious thoughts or to provide insight where insight wasn't previously accessible um, is just, you know, a a small intervention. Um, And this certainly shouldn't be, you know, utilized as treatment for, for anxiety. Mm -hmm. This is just a way to better understand yourself and those around you. Exactly. Exactly. So I hope it's helpful. Yes. And thank you so much for the follower for um, submitting that question and and all the other followers who have also submitted some really great questions. We're really excited to get to those as we continue to record more episodes. You all have been really fantastic. And I know we both appreciate the vulnerability um, in sharing these stories and these questions. Very much. It's really, it's
0: an honor and a privilege. Isn't that what we say? Definitely. Yes. yes.
1: Well, thank you so much, Luna. This was oh, an awesome you. read today.
0: As always, so much fun. Thank
1: yes. You. Thank you so much for listening to The Tarot Diagnosis. You can follow us on Instagram and TikTok under the handle at The Tarot Diagnosis and join us while we pull daily cards and explore tarot and mental health in between podcast episodes. You can also subscribe to our podcast to make sure that you never miss an episode. If you have a topic or question that you'd like for us to explore on the podcast, you can contact us directly on our website, www.thetarodiagnosis.com.